Hi there, welcome to Stoke to Be Here. My name's Laura and I'm the back half of Stella Tandem, a record-breaking attempt to cycle around the world in 2022. Um, this podcast is set up to speak to people from the worlds of endurance and cycling to get lots of tips and tricks. We've had a, a little bit of a, a break while I got distracted running across the country, but I've um, got that out of my system now. So we're now back to cycling and I have a very exciting guest today, um, who's Helen Landridge, who's a round the world cyclist and endurance cyclist and, and all sorts of other things. Hi, Helen. Hi, Laura. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks. Thanks so much for coming on. Fabulous. I love how you had to get the running out your system. That's yeah, cool. I think I have now. <laughs> it's minor blip. But yeah, it's all about the cycling now, which is, is good news because we've just got the weather for it too. Absolutely. <laughs> Fabulous. So you kind of... Um, seem to start off like me and it's the same for me in running too I wasn't particularly sporty when I was at school when I was younger um, and kind of came to it a bit later in the day but how on earth did it transpire that yeah you cycled around the world from that? (laughs) Uh, Escalated very quickly um, in the grand scheme of things I suppose no I didn't really start cycling until I was um, actually way into my university years when I just happened to have a bike I think I can remember like I remember just one day seeing all the cyclists lots of cyclists in London started sort of it was the start of that transition where people were really pushing for it all um in London for safety and I just saw a lot more cyclists on the road I thought oh that'd be a really good way of getting around but I was a poor student (laughs) and um actually quite lazy so whilst my boyfriend at the time bought me a, a bike as a graduation present um I didn't really use it very much. Um, bless him, he did say, I don't think you're going to use this very much. And I didn't. He was right until later. And now um, we're still friends. And more recently, I've been like, hey, look what I do. You were wrong. <laughs> uh, it took a long time to get there. <laughs> bless him. Um, so, yeah, I even then it was it was just a mode of transport. And it, it just gradually progressed as I, I had a, an accident. I was hit by a car and I didn't really want to stop cycling because really made me realize that I was really enjoying it and I was seeing myself progress and mentally which is which was more the key I was turning up to work really awake and feeling really positive about myself and and when I got hit by the car I could have be I could have either gone one way or the other of I'm never cycling again or actually I really want to do this as more of a hobby more than just getting to work and back so it, it, that's probably the catalyst really and um and then it was like weekend rides and a, a sportive and how did I, how did I, I don't actually know how I jumped from just doing like a 60 mile sportive to doing a three day London to Paris ride. I think I was just, maybe I had a, a jump. A, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe just one too many glasses of wine one night. And I was like, that sounds like a great idea. I think oh, it was. Oh, that's how all the best plans start. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I just really wanted to cycle abroad and I was watching the Tour de France and thinking how wonderful it looked and just, yeah, it was that. And then I got back from that and it was that feeling of, oh my goodness, I can't believe I have, my little legs have got me from one city to another capital city completely on my plus a ferry obviously no it wasn't it was even the channel tunnel so there was a transport there but either way you know it was that sense of self-sufficiency that was mind-blowing at the time like I'd never contemplated travel in that way I'd always I'd seen lots of my um peers from school go off traveling like 
backpacking and or just holidays and thought oh I can't afford to do that that would be wonderful and then it sort of cycling made me realize that you can see the world in a very different way in a very affordable way assuming you have the bike let's not let's not pretend cycling is cheap <laughs> but, um, yeah th- yeah and then it just as I kind of got all these little milestones it was just more and more about self-sufficiency and seeing myself develop and hit these goals that was just really rewarding basically yeah yeah and that that first sense of, of you know looking on a map at how far you've come is it's immense isn't it and yeah, I, I, I think that's what sucks you in doesn't it to the long distance you think oh so how far could I go? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it's a very dangerous way to be going down. <laughs> yeah, and then kind of your first kind of or your main kind of solo journey was um, Lee Jog, which is London John O'Groats, um, mm-hmm. which me and Steve were, were lucky enough to squeeze in last year. Um, it's a pretty challenging ride, really, and you rode that solo, and yeah, it's. I mean, how did you? go about kind of finding the confidence to do that I think a lot of people go would go were you not scared were you not you know how did you yeah get get around to doing it great question I never really doubted it and I don't know why I think I had been had something instilled in me when I was at school that was just you've just got to go for it and over the course of my university years I just tried to take every opportunity that came along and I'm not a religious person at all so I'm, I'm a bit more like well this is this is my belief purely it was like well this is all we have right mm. so we've got to make the best best use of the time that we're here for and and I decided that this was something that I really wanted to do and was something that would shape my life and why be held back by something that may never happen the fear of the fear of something happening that may never happen and yeah it didn't because I sort of had taken these big jumps between things it just seemed like the net I do remember thinking it's the next logical step like that's logic I don't know (laughs) (laughs) like the next big challenge I think was I think I had looked it up and was like what what is a maybe this wasn't an exact google search term but what is the big bike ride in the UK And, and it just came up in google and I was just started looking into it more and I hadn't ever heard of bikepacking or audaxing or anything like that. It was just perhaps more bike touring for me and it progressed through that avenue. So I didn't know about bikepacking bags. I used a pannier and things like that. And I had a very predefined route and I wasn't camping. I was not that person yet. I was in B&Bs and hostels and all that stuff. So um, it was a big step up. And I think I just always like to challenge myself. Just take the opportunity and I thought well just take two weeks off work and that's the way I want to be <laughs> no that's that's amazing I think that's such a fantastic outlook to have is yeah you've just got to go get it sometimes haven't you yeah. and but again I think you know the fact that you did do B&Bs and hosteling I think that kind of um you know mitigates some of that massive leap doesn't it because you know it's a it's a lot and it's a lot to to take on it's a lot to learn as well you know kind of learning to live day to day on the bike what did you find most challenging was it being by yourself was it like mechanicals or fear of a mechanical finding food or water what was the kind of the big challenge on on that kind of route I think it was more um breaking down a very long journey into bite-sized bits because whilst I was always a bit gung-ho be like yeah I'm gonna go do this I was fine until maybe I was at the start line and thought oh actually this is two weeks like I've got to be riding for and it was intimidating but I had already I already knew that I had to just take it day by day and 
I think because it was a very predefined GPX route that I was following, it was like, oh, well, that only says I've got 80 miles to do today, or that only says I've got 90 miles to do today. So it was like, that's all I had to think about. I'd done so much planning beforehand that mm. I had mitigated all of those issues. And um, being on my own was quite exhilarating, I think. It, it was that feeling of freedom of, I've only got to just get to the B&B at the end of the day and I've got the whole day to do it. So takes as long as it takes um and I think it was my first taste of people being really kind to you on the road when you're on a bike I stopped in a lay-by I don't actually remember where I was um I was just switching over my watered bottles and there was a guy who ran a little cafe in this in this lay-by and he gave me some water and I was like oh, how much do you want for it he was like no no just take it enjoy yourself you look like you need it it was quite a hot day oh. I was blown away. It was the first time I'd ever had someone be really kind and coming from like a commuter in London on a bike. That is like completely the opposite end of the scale of, of the way people react to you when you're on two wheels. Um, and I think that that probably helped um, the motivation to then go further each time in, in all yeah. my yeah. yeah no definitely there's something very special about yeah the way you, you, as, a, as a tourer and you know if your bike's obviously laden and stuff the way you're treated isn't there it's, yeah yeah it's, so, you're not going to steal anything from anyone because you can't carry it so <laughs> yeah exactly you're pretty, pretty non-threatening <laughs> you're pretty safe territory aren't you yeah. um and then yeah obviously that then kind of led up to, to the big one but um your your story of kind of how that came about and how you met mike is is um <laughs> it's it's pretty special but i think it's yeah um they go then how did you meet <laughs> on tinder it really is as basic as that like um i had moved to glasgow just before i did lands and john groups and um and a relationship broke down. So I was fine. I found myself in a new city, completely on my own. The job I'd moved to, I had only had two or three work colleagues. So it wasn't like I had a huge social life that had been, that was there ready for me. Um, so I was finding things quite difficult, but I was, you know, trying to get out there and I was on Tinder and came across this one profile of Mike and he had in his profile that he really wanted to cycle around the world. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> like I'd read all the books, all the books. And I'd seen Mark Beaumont's documentary with, with his, his first around the world. And I think everything I'd seen and learned from my previous smaller trips um, had ignited this fascination with you can travel by bike and make it a very, um, once you got the bike a very affordable way of doing it um and I think we were talking about the fear with La Jogger I didn't have that I didn't have any fear about being on my own with La Jogger but I did find that it would have been nice to share it with someone I don't have anyone I can turn to and say wouldn't it be really do you remember that point when this happened I can tell people but they wouldn't be like yeah that was amazing kind of thing so I knew that I didn't really ever want to undertake something that grand on my own um and I hadn't really thought that it was ever possible financially, et cetera, et cetera. So coming across someone who had, who already had that desire without having to instill that in them was, I did, it was, I don't know, it was really exciting. And, and then he was obviously very handsome. And so I, so I swiped the correct way. I can't, is it right? I don't know which way it is. Oh, um, and we'd already matched that. So he'd already seen me. Um, oh. <laughs> 
and uh, me and my first message to him was when are we leaving and then it all escalated from there and we left oh, 14 fantastic. yeah so that's that's quite a, a whirlwind romance and quite a, a whirlwind kind of a trip planning too and yeah 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 it's, it's fantastic that you know to um, have somebody that's on the same page obviously I'm very lucky to see that you know if you enjoy the same hobbies and the same aspects of things you I still see you know there's couples where you know it's it's the bloke that goes out golfing or mountain biking or, or does this that or the other and she goes to the shops and drinks coffee with her friends and you just think oh, you're missing oh, out yeah. you're missing no, out <laughs> I can't tell the wife I bought a new bike it's like yeah yeah definitely it's a shame yeah, yeah, no, it's, it. yeah it's, it's really lucky isn't it and then yeah so it's quite you know reasonably quick turnaround you know um to to get to that point where you're leaving I mean were you were you physically training in that time like what preparations did you do or was it a bit of a like let's go and just wing it <laughs> um I don't think we quite appreciated how much time saving would take so yeah we were, we were given a free membership to the British military fitness guys who were amazing to support us in that way just we went along a few times a week to exercise and do amazing workouts in the outdoors in a park in Glasgow and I've made some really great friends from that group um but our lifestyle balance didn't really offset the attempt to get in fit so whilst it kind of helped us not get horrendously unfit we we left really unfit like that was all our all our fault no fault to, to be people um uh but yeah I was working two jobs Mike was working a couple of jobs we were oh, really wow. every penny we sold everything we owned that is worth anything and um yeah I was working in the day in my normal job in the evening job I was typing up audio notes for medical and legal firms and Mike was a trainee sister in the day which was horrendously long hours and then over Christmas he was a waiter in a restaurant which the tips were fantastic and it paid for a lot on the trip and but we had to it was I'm not saying that was easy though like we didn't we didn't do a lot of the fun outdoor social stuff that people kind of take for granted maybe not so much with COVID I think people have really kind of understood what it is like to to be you know unable to do that um mm. so I feel like that may this is literally coming through right now maybe that thought is maybe that's why we haven't found lockdown too hard because we actually haven't ever really been we've either been saving for the trip on the yeah. trip or saving for a house when we got home <laughs> uh, so we, yeah cycling is such a big part of our lives that facilitates a lot of social aspects and we're lucky enough to have the bikes already so I don't feel like our outgrowings are that much um but it made the saving the saving was very difficult I'm not I'm not gonna lie that it was a jolly holiday since we started meeting and it, it was tough but we had that goal we knew we really wanted to go and do this really huge world trip that was going to cost a lot of money and so there were times when we would be both really struggling and just so tired at the restaurant because I did a few shifts there as well um but we were just I remember saying it to each other this shift is just think that this shift is paying for two days in Malaysia you know like we, we tried to really like ground it in that and it did make it easier but I'm not going to say that it was an easy no, year of saving it was hard hard work yeah definitely but yeah obviously it, it all paid off because yeah, yeah. You managed to get to the start line which I think is more than a lot of people do I think that in itself yeah. is is a massive massive challenge um and then just kind of briefly give us an overview of your route and yeah kind of where you where you went <laughs> 
<laughs> um, we did a bit of a squirrely route through Europe. We went up, so we left Glasgow, went to Newcastle and got the ferry to Amsterdam because we were like, just get us out of the UK and make it <laughs> as quickly as possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, Amsterdam and then up through um, Germany. Oh, I, haven't, I haven't thought about the route for ages. Um, Denmark, <laughs> Sweden, Finland, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland. Poland, Slovakia, yeah, Hungary, so. yeah. Romania, yeah. <laughs> Serbia, Bulgaria, <laughs> and Turkey. Um, but that was just—it was a really nice, slow introduction into into touring because we'd done a few trips on the weekends and stuff in the UK. But um, I remember finding it really intimidating going quite far east in Eastern Europe because I wasn't that well travelled before so I, I just didn't know what to expect I didn't know what the roads would be like what the drivers would be like what the food would be like anything like that and it's so funny to think back now how intimidated I was but actually it was such a lovely way of easing our way in and not having to camp every day and all, all that stuff and by the time we got to Turkey we felt like we were really kind of in our stride um, and but but I did find that going very high because there were some quite high passes in Turkey that a weird heart arrhythmia that I had at university kind of kicked in again and I started feeling quite unwell so we decided also that because of that and that we had a lot of antidepressants with us because we were on those at the time um, we were going to give Central Asia and the Pamir Highway a miss at that time because it one it we we looked like we could have been drug smuggling we had you know two years worth of pills with us and um and all that kind of stuff and also we were a little bit intimidated by it because it was like that is a very big step so we thought um we'd been hearing from other people who were ahead of us that year that it was just incredibly expensive we were like oh we have a very finite amount of money so we in eastern turkey we we stopped for a day and we're like what are all of our options because we have the world you know the world is literally our oyster um where where is more affordable for us to be so we ended up finding a flight to Beijing basically and we had already had our three month Chinese visa with us in our passport so that was perfectly possible spent two and a half months in China all the way down um Vietnam Cambodia Thailand Malaysia Singapore and we were in Malaysia for Christmas with um a friend of mine is Malaysian and his family had us to stay for the whole of Christmas oh, amazing Really, really lovely. We flew to Perth in Australia on Christmas on New Year's Eve because it was a very cheap wow. flight. Yeah. Um, had new had the midnight celebration with uh, a host in Perth, and then spent three months cycling across Australia in their summer. <laughs> oh my Don't goodness! Do Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we are avoiding that one. <laughs> yeah, it's very sensible. <laughs> um, that was absolutely phenomenal incredibly hard probably some of the hardest parts of the whole thing um and we knew it was going to be that way just the way it worked out with timing Mm. um and then we flew to um la yeah la via honolulu was a really cheap flight um and then we cycled north to get married in yosemite and then we just headed east across the american continent and ended up in quebec city a little while later um cheapest flight again was from french canada to france and we originally would have loved to have cycled to uh, flew to portugal but it just didn't work out financially because we were running quite low on money by that point so 
and it was just a, a, a poodle back up through some European countries and back home. That was our trip. So we were very um, defined by money. Sadly, this is what a lot of it came down to. Um, but we were really happy with our with our trip in the end. And there's yeah, lots well, of fill in. So lots yeah. Of- <laughs> well, I think it it sounds like an amazing route, and there's there's loads of places that I think you've been mentioned there. I'd love to go to that won't quite fit into our fairly fast yeah. timeline um so yeah and, and there's just so much in the world to see isn't there so you yeah. could never do it do it all I know some people try but but yes and of course you, you slipped in there that yeah your um wedding in Yosemite National Park which I think is amazing and yeah you've got some beautiful photos on your website oh. and I think that is you know <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> you know if anything's going to make the, the trip it's it's that and um yeah it's yeah just just the ethics thing to, it, it to go that. away cycle yeah. around the world and come back as husband and wife as well I mean we yeah. kind of it was we knew that we wanted to get married but we were kind of like keeping it any planning until we got further around partly because of logistics and partly because we were like oh it's quite a risk <laughs> spending <laughs> a year together every day um you know but it solidified us so it, it we knew by the by that point it was the right thing to do it wasn't there was no doubts so yeah uh, no, I know what you mean because I, I think you'd still agree there are challenges as um, riding with your partner, <laughs> um, and yeah, there's a there's a lot of give and take. But I think yeah, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, doesn't it? So yeah, and is is that something you found that yeah you that is a quite a lot of adjustment? You know, I'm just quite used to going out and doing things by myself, and suddenly having to take somebody else along with you, it's it's a, it puts a different slant on things, doesn't it? I think so. I think we're very lucky that Mike and I are just like two sides of the same coin. I never felt like I wished he wasn't there because I think what might be different between us is you're on a tandem. So <laughs> you're very close together. At least we could, we were never really out of sight of each other, but we were never immediately next to each other all day, every day, apart from Sundays. But so we kind of felt like we could have a bit of space without feeling like we were too separate um saying that you know there were days when we had a rest day and I'd be I would say you know let's just be in different rooms <laughs> just <laughs> that's healthy um but yeah we're, we're very lucky to really get on just that well and get get understand each other's minor quirks and it that's what makes a person so yeah. yeah we say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger Mike did nearly die on the trip so um <laughs> that's something that he's it, it's a big complicated psychological thing more now with um he's not a he's a bit of a fair weather cyclist now so because it was mm-hmm. bad weather involved so um he's trying to move on from that and it's a few years later than it happens it's still it's still affecting him so yeah 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 it's it's, it's a horrendous story as well but i think i've heard you talk about it before and yeah it's understandable that's not something you you just brush off but you know it's obviously it's something that it makes all the difference having somebody there with you that can yeah you know there's a lot to be said for solar travel but yeah if you're two together it's at least you've you've kind of got that back up and somebody to fall back on and yeah and i think that's what he's trying to now go over so he for people who are listening who don't know he, he the weather the weather came in in the rockies and he got hypothermia and um if i hadn't been there then he would have either cycled into traffic or just collapsed and died on the side of the road so um 
he's now I'm trying yeah we're both trying to help him be okay with cycling on his own in bad weather and up until this winter just gone we thought that I was the only one that was affected by what happened because I had to deal with the entire fallout of it and it happened um I'm fine about it now I can talk about it perfectly fine um so it's quite a new thing to kind of realize that he struggles a bit so he's actually off now um on a bike packing trip overnight so in the sunny weather to try yeah. and like ease himself into it so um the weather is something to really not mess around with no no and it, it is quite scary um we were even out was it two or three weekends ago so this is you know this is may yeah. <laughs> um we were we were up high with um near flash for the highest village in the uk and the hail came in and it was freezing and although we thought we'd put plenty of layers on because it was may you know and it was literally we weren't that far off civilization at all but it's scary you think how on earth am i going to keep myself warm and yeah once it sets in it's it is epic and i think you know we've got so many different weather systems to consider it's just going to be one of those things you're going to have to be have to be a, a bit prepared for everything yeah yeah and that's the best way to be yeah definitely. um and then yeah you're you've got loads of fantastic little videos and <laughs> your blog and your website and everything and um i was looking through and as, as much as yes as you know you you do cover all aspects of cycle touring somehow you still manage to make washing dirty shorts look like a, a fun <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that video. Yeah. I mean, what was kind of the, the toughest things? What was the most unglamorous things? Was it literally, you know, just trying to keep yourself clean, trying to find somewhere to stay? Um <laughs> <laughs> the, the the grimiest thing was that you just got used to being dirty after a certain period of time. Yeah. And, um, but everywhere, every continent had its own challenges. So Europe, it was just a matter of just getting used to being and living on the bike and the natural flow of the day, um, how much food you were used to eating and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and as you progress further away from home, it was learning how to speak to people in different languages without with that with that language barrier and how you quite easily get around that just by sort of gestures and body language. And that was a really natural learning curve um, that I really appreciate going through and then flying to China even more out of the comfort zone with language but we we met a friend of a friend in Beijing who was um, a Scottish lady there she taught us so much about just how to be in China as a foreigner and a few really helpful phrases and and understanding their cultural differences so that we could make friends and and then oh we got semi-kidnapped by so many groups of Chinese people who just loved us and take, took us out for dinner and got us very drunk all the time um but those are just the best experiences but um yeah you the the coal the coal haulage roads in northern China you were we were just filthy all day every day and by the time we kind of got further south I did have quite a nasty cough and a very sore throat um it was definitely from the air and the pollution there so that was hard to see just the damage in that part of the world that that is happening but it's um it was just very eye-opening and and, the, and the, the speed at which you're traveling you see this natural change in the landscape and then how people change and how cultures change and 
but everyone is still human and it, there was there was like a continuity throughout the whole journey that that was about making friends along the whole way and then by the time you got to Australia they're they, they're they're they've got so much humor in their culture which they didn't which we didn't really experience elsewhere but because it was quite brash at first we were quite taken aback like we say what we were doing and people like oh did you I would do the accent did you cycle across the you know the sea and we're like well obviously not like but then after a few days we kind of like got into that frame of mind of like western humor and back to the food and and all that chat and we could give it back and it was then so there was like a, a small shift each time we got somewhere new um that took a little bit of adjustment and I think just the logistics of the day-to-day were quite the same throughout the whole of the trip but the, dif- the difficulties the challenges they weren't even difficult just the challenges we came up against were just the cultural shifts each time and, and not feeling like we were too out of place as much as we could um and then america everything was very much like about money like the first question we do quite often get asked was how much is this costing you which was quite that everyone was very much like oh my goodness i can't believe what you've done um and a lot of people that we spoke to would be would ask where we've been and would just nod along and then as soon as we said oh we've cycled here from la they'd be like whoa like that's it's quite hard to understand this is i'm in no way saying anything bad about the americans but it's about what you understand as a person and Mm. and your sphere of what your world is and it was just like trying to communicate and um associate with that person on their their level to to begin be able to try and make friends and um yeah really interesting insight into what people find important in society yeah it's the show in their first questions like in china it would be what do your parents think of this like did you have to ask for permission to go and in america it was how much is it costing you but of course that's our experience other people would have had very different experiences but that was what we experienced yeah no that's really interesting and yeah you do you do hear different experiences of everybody that travels everywhere and it's it's kind of the the cheesy question but was there a a favorite place is there somewhere you're going to go back to or even is there somewhere that you kind of think actually it was great but yeah i I wouldn't go (laughs) back there again Um, we both love china like we could both we could live out there it was whilst it was so different i think that was what what we really enjoyed um and i think meeting that friend of a friend who could teach us so much about almost giving us a little head start into what it you know how to experience china well probably helped us feel very at home i remember us just walking down the street in um i think xian by that point so halfway across and mike and i were just saying how how everything felt very homely like everything was very familiar even already um so we would love to go back slash live there at some point in our lives um but nowhere else was really like oh my god get out me get me out here now because <laughs> not saying that the places weren't difficult like i think mike hadn't ever really been to a islamic country before um so his experience in turkey um he struggled to see how differently men treated me and i was like it's fine like i'm i understand i i had been to egypt by that point and i, I kind of uh, understood the, the place that I had within that society but Mike struggled a little bit with that um and 
no everyone was really great everyone was fantastic yeah. and i think again it comes down to the fact that we were so unthreatening and unassuming cycling through the landscape so yeah no and yeah it's it's that difference isn't it and you say there's so many differences but so many similarities the way around i think that's one of the things we're kind of really excited about is is kind of getting getting that experience and and then just in terms of like practicality yeah you obviously kind of you cycle toward it as as it were um i mean you'd done the the lead jog before but this is is kind of another kettle of fish isn't it i mean did you find that you kind of overpacked to begin with did you you know what things were essential what things did you bring that you thought you needed that you didn't and did you kind of switch from country and country to country as well in terms of what you carried oh we definitely overpacked (laughs) (laughs) we had we definitely had i think my parents came to meet us in poland for a day or two and they took a few things home at that point. And then we met Mike's dad in Istanbul. He took a few more things home <laughs> at that point. Um, but we had read all the blogs that were out there at the time and people were saying, oh, that classic question of what was the one thing that you couldn't live without? And we always made sure we had it. And then when it was like, well, that's not what we could not live without. So, But we would rather have just tested the water and we had that ab- ability to send stuff home. So it wasn't, yeah. a, wasn't a problem at all. Um, even by the time we got to Australia, there was stuff we were sending home that um that we just didn't use that so um what was the other question (laughs) (laughs) Um, logistics yeah and then you kind of swapped and switched a bit from country to country as well did you Um, yeah we we didn't i know that some people send cold weather gear ahead themselves or like um or camp a lot of people don't take camping stoves into parts of southeast asia but we kept everything that was that essential mm-hmm. uh, we didn't we didn't send anything ahead of ourselves and i'm glad we didn't because if you if we'd considered that in australia thinking oh it's their summer let's mm. send all cold weather gear ahead there was two days on the nullarbor where it went from 45 degrees one day to 18 the next when just oh, a weather came in. Yeah. so um i just feel like and again, in America, where that storm came in, you, you just, it would be very easy to be lulled into that sense of security. But again, it's just the weather. It's just, you cannot underestimate the power that it has. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's one of the big uncontrollables, isn't it? So, yeah, no, I think you're, you're entirely right. And then obviously with you doing it on a budget as well, were you, um, I assume you were, you were cooking and camping and all sorts. What kind of food staples did you, did you find uh, <laughs> around the world? Um, you can find porridge everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. Oats is just such a staple. Um, yeah, porridge and jam was our pretty... Okay. Almost every day. And Mike can't eat porridge again now. <laughs> he just... <laughs> he can't That's stand really. it. At least, at least not slightly cold porridge yeah it has yeah. to be piping hot um but asia we we always had like a pack of like ready noodles just in case so we that's why we already had our, our stove because sometimes uh we were on roads that where there wasn't really any anyone anyone there for, for food or water um but we just tried to keep it as cheap as possible just cooking as much as we could uh australia was the hardest probably the most financially draining place because well we only spent we only paid for one hotel 
because it's just, it was just too much out of our budget. So thankfully we could camp most places. Well, everyone's got a friend of a friend of a friend who lives in Australia. So we always put in touch with random people. And that was amazing to meet so many wonderful people across the whole route. Um, but uh, yeah, Australia, we had a lot of non-water-based meals because you want to keep your water to drink. So everything was wraps based. So tortilla wraps with beans, loads of beans, beans for days. <laughs> or for breakfast, it might be a tortilla wrap with banana and Nutella. Oh, oh that's a good one that, oh that yeah. was a good one, that was a good one. <laughs> um you've got the classic picture that everyone takes on the for the sign for the 90 mile straight yeah yeah we've been in front of that sign and had a really good banana and a teller app i recommend oh. it for everybody I'm, i might i might aim to do that <laughs> do it do, do it sit right there's a big parking area right in front of me you've got to sit right in front of me i want a selfie I want yeah that. yeah I'll, I'll see if i can arrange the banana and the teller <laughs> as well yeah definitely i think that's a yeah but uh, yeah in america it was a lot of takeaways because by that point the balance with fast food and and healthy meals was equal if not on the side of fast food so we actually put on weight as we cycled across america sadly but but, but yeah it was it was fine yeah the food was amazing basically yeah no, that's uh, yeah it's, it's exciting as well it's not another different cultural aspect isn't it just to yeah to see all that so yeah no it'd be and we've got this um dilemma at the moment still weighing up whether we we take the stove or not but um i think it does open up a, a lot of different options so it does but it also means you can if you know that you're going to be going somewhere where you are questioning how far places are apart and there's a risk that it might be a really strong headwind and really if that tiny little stove is going to take an extra couple of hundred grams and to be able to fuel, fuel yourself across it, it i think it's a an essential I, I would say but everyone's different but yeah cups of tea that's my stick yeah <laughs> <'Cause>, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fab. so you i think was it 26 months you were away from it, it was 17 17 i'm oh, sorry i've got my math away i haven't I? Yeah, so, I mean it's quite a fast <laughs> 26 <laughs> no so it's quite a, a fast tour um would you would you go back and do it again do you... a million times yes like yeah um, yeah if yeah, if sorry. i won the lottery tomorrow we'd be setting up and going like this <laughs> there's still plenty of time so yeah no and that's the thing so um we have got ourselves into a very financially sound situation we're very lucky that mike was training to be a solicitor so he's come back and managed to find a really well paying job well a very secure mm. job that's the important thing yeah yeah um so yeah who knows where it it's gonna it's gonna lead there's so many places we want to fill in that we missed out so we had originally meant to be doing new zealand but we just couldn't afford it you know those 17 months we were away for were just how long our money lasted um and we obviously used to do the premier highway and all of central asia there's so we didn't even touch south america or africa you know yeah um, there wow. is so much and we, you know we, we just need to figure out when we're gonna do it <laughs> Yeah. So when not if yeah fantastic and then in the meantime have you got any more more plans for the future i, I might have a, a sneaky bit of knowledge that you've got another <laughs> big ride plan maybe <laughs> yeah so i mean i had planned to go for the around the world world record um to be the first as women but covid just destroyed that completely and um 
I mean, you never know what what, ha- what might happen in the future, but yeah. my life's in a bit of a different place now. Um, and, and COVID has put a lot of questions over travel and mm. just don't know how much longer this is going to affect the entire planet. Because it's not even like how fast can we vaccinate the UK? It's, it's everybody else as, as a global. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's obviously something we're really, really conscious of as well. And you know, yeah, it's, it's really, it's hard, but mm. I you know, keep going as though it's going to get better because it probably will you know i mean <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna batter on regardless and if we need yeah. to arrange for a year we, we, we will do but exactly like yeah um, yeah but, but besides that i mean yeah i got a place on the transcontinental that has been sadly postponed until 2022 i mean that would definitely the decision it's too soon but mm. anna made the right decision there but very excited to still have a place um and now it's just a, a matter of figuring out what I'm going to do this summer. Now I've kind of still got my annual leave that I need to take. Um, oh, but I'm yeah. thinking about doing just like a, a lap around Scotland and keeping it local. Yeah, but... just a, a little lap around Scotland, yeah. <laughs> Comparatively, uh, so. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we. I think whilst the world is struggling with the pandemic and obviously all of the economic and social fallouts from that, there will be a time when it won't be an issue you know pandemics do pass and the world will hopefully be a different place for the better and there might be more travel opportunities that aren't by plane and you could we could just do a, a bit a bit of a slower tour so so if anything we're just trying to get ourselves ready you know mm. for whenever that may be five ten years down the line but um just dreaming just yeah. dreaming about what we could do <laughs> yeah no that's amazing and the transcon's really exciting as well because there's yeah. you know there's very strong female history of riders involved in that aren't there so yeah i, I can't wait to see how that goes because yeah it's a, a great dot watcher that as well so, so just yeah, such an exciting thing i just yeah say that you've done it i just yeah. want to finish that's all just want to get to the end and say <laughs> i think i just do it i just want to start i just want to get the hat <laughs> yeah okay that'll be so good i can't wait cat number fantastic yes i'll be sure to be following you along that um before you get i've just got um some bits of tandem trivia oh go 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 go. (laughs) not too well a little cheesy um have you ever ridden a tandem i have sadly not and we really so we we did look into buying one last year i think Mm. um but we just yeah if anyone in edinburgh has one then we'd love to try one out be good fun yeah no you definitely should and um, and then I, th- I think i'm gonna have to exclude mike from this question because i think he'd, he'd he'd be top of your list but if you were to go riding a tandem who would be your dream tandem partner and it can be anybody alive dead yeah anybody you want oh besides mike um oh, of course <laughs> probably um probably mike hall yeah oh bless yeah it's his anniversary passing recently wasn't it she's it's obviously very sad but yeah oh my goodness he would have some stories to tell and then some yeah yeah Yeah, fantastic um and then we we often say we're cheesy but we're joined by the frame you know Uh, can't can't do that each other (laughs) um (laughs) i feel like this should have been a valentine specialism this episode Um, but when you when you're on the bike, when you're you're touring, whatever, do you have a, a creature comfort? Is there something that you can't do without? Be it like an item of food or you know, a kit or anything. 
if we're talking fully loaded touring so not bike packing i we took blankets yeah yeah we got some just really cheap blankets that made it the whole way around um because there were quite a lot of countries where it was too hot for a sleeping bag but i like to have something on me um and it was just something i don't know that was just the creature comfort that was just yeah, we always had it we always had it in a hotel if we were there and and also knowing how far that one item has traveled with me is it's just really it's on the sofa next to me now so oh that's nice yeah yeah no it's interesting actually because um speaking to marcus who tandem around the world with his partner before and he actually said they found a, a duvet was more beneficial than two sleeping bags so yeah no good point sleeping, sleeping comforts i think that's yeah i don't know how many we'll be able to squeeze in but <laughs> maybe a little shawl or something yeah that'd be nice. <laughs> fantastic um and last but not least uh why should we ride around the world on a tandem should you a tandem specific okay there's two parts to that question <laughs> go on then break it down because it's the best way to connect with people that you otherwise would never meet and why on a tandem is because it's probably the best way to connect with your partner so oh, that's oh. amazing oh, nice note to finish on yeah. oh, helen you've been absolutely fab thank you so much um it's been great to hear about your trip and yeah i'm really excited to see what you get up to on, on the transcon oh. and beyond because i'm I think... excited to see what you guys do i can't wait to follow you. <laughs> we have a spot tracker as well we can follow you your dot too yeah there will definitely be a spot tracker so yeah you'll be able to dot watch that as well but no thank you so much well, thank you <laughs> Hi everyone, thanks for listening. That amazing podcast with Helen was actually recorded on the 5th of June 2022, which is quite a significant date for us because that leads us exactly one year until we plan to depart in 2022. Um, so yes, it's exciting times and um, hopefully you've enjoyed the podcast so far. If you could like, review, rate on whatever podcasting app you're listening on, that would be absolutely amazing. Um, and as well, do look out for us on social media. If you're not following us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we've got uh, profiles on all those platforms and would really appreciate you following us and letting you, your friends know as well. Please share the word too. We're hoping to get as many followers as possible, not only so we've got an amazing number of people following us around the world, but also to raise our profile in terms of sponsorship and then to be able to raise as much money for our chosen charities as possible. So if you could spread the word about Stella Tandem, um, if you look for Stella Tandem, we should be under that name and that would be absolutely amazing and it would really help us get all the way around the world. Thanks so much. Till next time. Bye.